What is up, everybody? This is Ryan with Scale Up Show. I have Ross Andrew Paquette on today. Grew with only one salesperson to $25 million. Yep, that's right. Bootstrap close to $100 million. And he walks through his framework for turning a product in a platform to destroy your competition in a highly, highly competitive market. You're not going to want to miss this. This one's amazing. Check it out. How do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions, and this show is the answer. Welcome, everybody, to the Scale Up Show. This is your host, Ryan Staley, and I have a very special guest with me today. I have Ross Andrew Paquette. Ross has done a lot, man. I'm excited to share his story with you. So... Basically, what he's done is he's a founder and CEO of Maripost, which is North America's fastest growing market automation platform as, ro- as ranked by Deloitte Tech's Fast 500. He's led Maripost to double its annual revenue growth every year since its inception in 2011, turning into one-man operation an international business that simplifies customer engagement for B2C brands. Ross, happy to have you on the show, man. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, dude. I mean, just I got pumped. I read I read some background about you before we started and I I was intrigued. Right. Which is why I asked you to be on the show. And then the more we talked in the pre-show, I I think your story can inspire a lot of people. So I'm excited to share this with with my listeners. So but before we get into that, can we do a real quick revenue rundown of where you're at in terms of your AR? Yeah, absolutely. So we'll finish the year around 90 million. Okay, awesome. So you're at 90 million. What's your go-to-market, your primary go-to-market revenue strategy? Yeah, so for us, I mean, we're focused on, we have, we have kind of three in particular. We definitely have our direct sales model, which is the background of the company. We do acquire customers both through free trial as well, and we do acquire customers through a no-touch model. So we've really kind of hit every every realm, but with the, the background of the business, as I said, was direct sale. And we really wanted to move into a more, not not move into a more, I shouldn't say, but have a systematic approach to how we acquire customers just the same. So we bring customers in through one area of our platform, say marketing cloud or commerce cloud or retail cloud, and then we sell them through the rest of the solution. So we're very much following, you know, what I, I admire that HubSpot has done as an example, but we're in the B2C space. Ah, love that, man. Uh, and, and so at what point did you start to add on out of your, your core backbone to direct sales? Like at what revenue range did you start to add those other components on or other, yeah, other the strategy, markets. Or the sales side of things or both. What's that? I'm sorry. The product side of things or the sales, sales strategy side the of things. Yeah. yeah. Just, just recently. So I would say in the last like 20 or 18 months or so, we started to add those, those options. So previously we'd been hundred percent direct sale before that. Awesome. Love it. You're speaking to my soul with that as, as being a lifelong salesperson. So, um, and sales layer. So, um, so walk us through what your team size is right now. Uh, we're about 330. Okay, 330. And then I know we, we talked, you said B2B to C. Uh, can you just walk us through your solution really quick in, in a couple sentences? Yeah, absolutely. So we started off through uh, as a marketing automation solution, so our marketing cloud product. Um, and now we've got Commerce Cloud, so e-commerce, uh, inventory, excuse me, inventory, uh, order management, and so on. We've got Retail Cloud, which is exactly how it sounds. Point of sale, same thing, inventory, loyalty. Uh, and then Service Cloud launches um, in the next couple months, which is ticketing, live chat, chatbot, uh, just the same. Okay. I love that, man. Great, great product diversification diversification there. And then, you know, I, I 
are you, and this is probably sounds like a loaded question based on what you told me before the show, but uh, I usually ask, are you, are you bootstrapped or funded? And I know it's a combo. So can you give us to what revenue you bootstrapped to and then took on funding and then the buyback model just so everybody has some context? Yeah, so so we're fully bootstrapped today. So we did a all secondary round in 2016. So sold 25% of the business, bought it back in 2019. Uh, and then here we are. Okay, awesome. See, so you you eclipsed uh, you it way, way tighter than I did. So good job on that. <laughs> so I think that's an awesome segue just in your background and your story, because I love it um, that you started off at a, a low paying sales job and then decided to create your own company from scratch, which is what I'm on my journey of doing right now. So walk us through that, man. How did you make that happen? And, you know, what was yeah. it like along the way? Yeah, I mean, the, the early stage was definitely the most exciting part, right? You're dealing with a lot less friction in terms of building the business, you know, the, so the, I guess the difference for me versus many other, you know, counterparts is that I was working through the, the initial stages of the business. So until we got to about $300,000 in revenue, I had another job. So I was using that job to fund the growth of the business or the, the startup of the business itself. And thankfully, I had had, you know, a couple of customers who were willing to come on board early on and really just follow us. And actually, we still have our very first client, uh, client still with Mariposa. So that's um, awesome. Yeah, it, it, that part was really kind of an exciting, the most exciting stage. And, and so, you know, for us, it, it didn't get complicated until we got to this sort of $25 million level where, uh, you know, as we discussed before, I was the only sales rep in the business. And I had this this philosophy, or, or not philosophy, but this thought or the strategy that I thought could work, which was, you know, I would just keep closing all these deals forever and continue to build the business around me. So more s- support reps, more customer success and finance and marketing and so on. Um, but we got to a point where it, it really felt like for every customer we added, you know, for some reason, because of, you know, my lack of involvement or so on, we would lose a customer. It's not about me being the end all and be all of the business. It's that's just really how I realized, okay, this is the peak of what, you know, one person can do. This is why we need to bring on sales leadership. And this is why we need to build out a scalable model. So it, we Ross, continue Ross, to actually I- do very well with a small sales and marketing team. Even after. Yeah. Oh, sorry. For, sorry. The, it delayed a little bit. Uh, what I was going to ask you is just is a is a quick point as a yeah. follow up to that, because this this was really good. Yeah. You, you kind of glossed over it. Yeah. I went to 300K and then we went to 25 million. I sold it all by myself. <laughs> right. So, wh- yeah. OK, I just wanted to dig in a little deeper before we kind of went to the next stage, because that's that's yeah, amazing. That's so and I thought that was cool. Easy part for me. That's why I, I don't I never think of any friction that happened between those. <laughs> you're like that was that was cake man i thought it was cool because i did that with four people you did it by yourself so so anyways uh you one up me without even knowing it um but that's cool so what what was your deal size when you did that and like how how did you do that how long did it take you to go from because it was a quick time frame uh to to scale up from that 300k to 25 million for sure so we didn't have that many customers we had like uh you know 250 300 clients so again they were spending like 60 70 80 thousand dollars a year or you know slightly more than that on average Wow. Okay. And then, so that's a lot of volume. How long did it take you to get those 250, 300 clients? It was only that like 28, maybe not 28 months, but maybe 28 to, you know, maybe two, three years, three, four years max. Okay. Okay. So yeah, that's, that's awesome. Okay. And, um, did you just, were you just picking up the phone calling, you know, like how did you create the appointment, the interest, all that stuff? Yeah. So funny enough, we, you know, I think there was a lot of, of course, like building any business, right. There's a combination of luck and skill and so on. And so 
in, in those early stages, we started to go to conference. It was, I shouldn't say we, I was going to conferences like by myself <laughs> and we would literally, you know, sign up for the diamond platinum, you know, whatever the, the premier or top spot was. So you get to this conference, excuse me, people would be wondering like, who the fuck is Maripost? Because, you know, Maripost would be everywhere, of course, like, like it would be with those top sponsorships. And this was back when, you know, it's still a lot of money today, but this is back when you could get that, that, you know, kind of posting for, 50, 60, $70,000 right now, it's gotten way out of control, especially when we think of the software space. But um, funny enough, like a lot of the, you know, the enterprise or brand name customers that we we acquired came from a lot of those those events, right? Somebody would be, you know, speaking about the conference and again, asking about Mariposa, I'd literally just put up my hand, I'm like, you know, that's that's me, I'm the one, the one person here. And we, we just built a lot of the business that way. And we actually, in addition to that, built a lot of it on word of mouth. So we had a good, you know, reputation. We have a good reputation, sorry, with our customers, where they all wanted us to succeed, and they all wanted to bring in their, you know, co- uh, not cohorts, but um, you know, partners from other organizations, and and we had just a lot of referrals taking place. So between those two sort of strategies, it really, really worked well for us at the time. I don't know if it's the same today or would be the same today, but it definitely was back then. That's awesome, and I. It's funny because one of our huge growth strategies was levering, leveraging the same principles that you did right there. Yeah. Um, and so for referrals, I love that because that, that's one of the things I, I work with companies on. Have you systemized that at all now that you're at, at the level you're at? Really. Or, what's that? <laughs> Not really. Not really. Uh, even today. So we, we even, at the time, we definitely didn't have a system to it. It was just it was just sit, using Salesforce, using a CRM to, to manage everything. Now, we, you know, we do have a more complex structure certainly than than nothing but um we're still in the the in you know kind of the early stages uh of, of building that out in an effective way okay excellent man and and one thing we did skip over as well since you're a sales guy and have the sales background how did you create the product and make that jump yeah yeah so uh, the when you say create the product like from an engineering standpoint so i that actually has kind of a funny a slightly funny background as well I started off the business. I had hired a, a gentleman out of the U.S. that I had worked with, and it really just didn't work out. He would disappear for days on, on end, and you know, <laughs> I don't know what was going on. And so, actually, I was going to shut down the company because, again, as I mentioned, I was still working, and you know, because I just couldn't work that way. I couldn't, you know, have the platform go down, and I've got this customer that I worked with even prior to, you know, who's extremely disappointed. And uh, anyway, it was actually my family. I said, you know what, I'm just going to keep working. I was doing well. I'll just, just enjoy my, my way here. And it was actually my family who is the le- are the least technical people ever. I'm from a mining and forestry town in northern Ontario, Canada. <laughs> and they said, you know, why don't you check online? And our product was built in Ruby on Rails. And, you know, it was, it's still pretty obscure. And in, in definitely in Toronto, there was like three people I knew who even wrote in that language. So I went on to Odesk. Um, which is now called Upwork and put up a, a posting need of, you know, this person. And I found my, you know, quasi co-founder, chief architect, who's still here to this day. Come on. In two weeks. Yeah. Like never, never went down again from, from since I hired him. What was that? 10, 10 years ago. So uh, uh, yeah. So it's been an interesting journey on that front, but we worked really well together because not only did I enjoy the, the sales and customer side of things, he could build things in lightning speed. Right. So I'd be on the phone with a customer. He's actually built a feature while I was on the phone speaking to the customer. So this client, you'll, you'll maybe appreciate this because everybody on, who, who might be listening is familiar with A-B testing and so on. And this customer says to me, you know, why don't we combine the winning subject line from an email campaign with the winning piece of content, push them into one, 
and then send that out to the rest of the, you know, the AB campaign or the remaining recipients. I, I messaged this over to our CTO and he literally had it into the, uh, uh, the solution by the end of the demo. So which was in within one hour and it's called optimize on open now. Uh, so anyway, really uh, uh, fortuitous in terms of that sort of, you know, sales product and then engineering um, partnership that we put together. Man, there's, I think there's like unicorns and rainbows flying out of your yeah. butt right now because you're like, yeah, just went on Upwork, found my co-founder, same person today. I mean, that's awesome. It's good to hear that it, uh, it worked out for you. And it's funny because Ruby on Rails was um, what ClickFunnels yeah. was originally built on. Did you know that? Well, no, I didn't know that actually. Yeah, yeah. ClickFunnels was built on wow. Ruby on Rails to start. And it's funny, Russell wow. Brunson has a similar story of what you yeah. talked about where he's just like, I had this product, it's built on Ruby. That's yeah. how he found his co-founder as well, which is yeah. wild. So um, anyways, um, not through Upwork, but he just, he sent the email out <laughs> to his list basically and said like, can anybody, yeah. you know, develop on Ruby on Rails? And this guy raised his yeah. hand and ended up being his co-founder later. So, um, okay, so keep going, man. I'm sorry for interrupting you, but that, that was like, there was a detail I just didn't want to gloss over because, and, and I'm glad we didn't because there's a lot of really cool things that you talked about in there. So, so keep going, pretend like I didn't interrupt you. I hope it didn't uh, jack up your flow at all. Okay. No, so no, now no. you're at that 25 million mark. Um, yeah. You got the product going and you got it mostly through conferences and being the lead sponsor and then walk us through from there, like the next, next phase. Yeah, for sure. So the next phase was, was more com- you know, complicated, of course, relates to the, the investment side of things. So again, we, sold part of the business. And basically for three years, nothing productive really happened. Our triple digit growth went down to, you know, mid single digit growth. Um, a lot more discussions, profitability went down. And so it got to a point where clearly, you know, the, the relationship, everybody was, you know, good people. It just, it could, it could have been a lot worse, frankly. Um, but, you know, it just wasn't going to work. So made the decision, we're going to, you know, exit them from the business or, or buy them out. Um, spent about six months cleaning the business back up as, as we discussed. And, um, you know, and then that was just before COVID. So we're just getting into the stride of, you know, 30, 40% growth again, uh, in what was that early, early 2020, um, got the profitability back on track, you know, COVID hits, you know, first couple months are a total mess, but we kept acquiring customers. That certainly wasn't a problem. I mean, everybody was going digital immediately. And it really reminded me actually of my early days in, in sales for that, different company that I was working at as we, we chatted on because in 2008, right, everybody, you know, adjusted their budgets to marketing automation, anything with the highest ROI. You definitely weren't doing, you know, banner ads and billboards and, and, you know, high, high cost, low, low return endeavors. And so it was kind of a little bit of the same for us. And that kept us going, especially given our focus on, on e-commerce and, and obviously retail wasn't so strong at the time. But um, yeah, we, I mean, we accomplished a lot of what we wanted to. We acquired three businesses in, in a, what was that, 18 months, um, two of them, one of them in e-commerce, one of them in retail, one of them in enterprise search and merchandising for e-commerce. And so now that is, you know, that knowledge that we've really brought into the business is helping us to continue the growth of the overall product, meaning that we are a single platform, but a multi-product solution. And so instead of being this, you know, quote unquote, like one, one trick pony where we've just are selling marketing automation. We're competing with Salesforce marketing cloud and Adobe marketing cloud and Klaviyo and, and MailChimp and, you know, and pretty much everybody under the sun, you know, we've now got this very defined path to, um, you know, significant amounts of revenue, which is really what the industry needs the most of. That's, I mean, so I love it that you're, you're making that shift to the platform through it's funny. Cause I, I had someone on my show before, 
um, Daniel um, Radford was on, on the show and he basically grew from zero to 250 million through product acquisition, right? Through the same acquisition strategy. And he was head of product. He, he wasn't the founder and CEO, but, but I, I love what you're doing with that. So what was the, like the point in time where the, the Apple hits you on the head and you're like, we got to turn this into a platform versus just a point solution. It was actually about six years ago or seven years ago. So it was a long time, but it included that three year hiatus, let's call it. Um, and so it was, it was really at the time because I knew that we, we would all just end up competing with each other for, of course, for the same addressable market, but there's, there's probably, you know, 300 marketing automation solutions, um, not, you know, and then there's sales automation and then there's all the other, you know, point solutions around social media, uh, around SMS, around pushing in at messaging. So you're talking about probably a thousand plus solutions just within the, the sphere that we, we were in at the time. So it was, it was very clear early on. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's good. you're right. There's, I think there's like 8,000 MarTech solutions alone right now. That was, that was two years ago. Was oh, was it? What is it now? How much? got to be over 10,000. It has to be. It's wow. Just, I see new oh. stuff every day that I've literally never heard about. And I'm constantly combing through the market. Hello, this is Ryan here. Real quick, if you are enjoying this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a comment or review. If you want more help or just want to learn more about what the top SaaS CEOs and founders are doing, check out my website at www.ryanstaley.io. Join my newsletter, check out other free content resources I have there, and let me know if you want to scale your business. Now back to the episode. Walk us through your next step, because um, what would you say, like now, okay, once you move past the one-man band, and you were selling everything, and living live the hashtag, I don't even know what kind of life you want to call it, but whatever, like now, so like, what's your number one growth strategy? And I know you mentioned there was, there's multiple kind of go-to-markets that you leverage, but what's the number one growth strategy that you're leveraging right now? And walk us through kind of like your framework of, of why it's successful. Yeah, so I mean, the the there's two sort of prongs to this in terms of like from a strategic perspective, uh, which they all everything relates to product for us. Like if we're not shipping, you know, I don't mean like the best product every time we're shipping something, but I mean if we're not shipping things constantly, that is certainly like to the detriment of the business now, given the scale of of what the product provides. Is in you know when I say the marketing automation side, it doesn't mean we just do email. When I say e-commerce, it doesn't mean we just do storefronts. When retail not just POS, like there's a whole layer of technology underneath. So for us, we just have to continue that. And that is the number one growth strategy that we have, because not only is it going to make our customers uh, more successful, we're driving more value for for them and for anybody who's coming in. And that's the core factor. I mean, right now where we are, uh, you know, as as an economy, I don't think we're actually, I mean, everybody has their own opinions, but I don't think we're actually heading for this like, you know, terrible situation. I think it's dramatized significantly. But what is very clear, especially in e-commerce and retail, is there's got to be a lot more value driven for the cost. And when you look at you know a, the the landscape of products that somebody would need to compete with a Maripost, they're talking about like a three hundred thousand dollar a year cost versus say a seventy thousand dollar a year cost. And that's for like our direct or average customer. And I realize I'm getting off topic here to your question around like how what is our go to market, but that really is it. It's how do we ensure that. When a customer comes in through one of the pillars, 
the story that we're telling or effectively the solution that we're selling is very clear that this is going to not only save them tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars in, in real cost, but the significant amount of efficiency that, that they're working from. Um, so it's, it's you know, it, that's definitely the core, actually. I mean, I could, I could certainly talk about how we're acquiring customers and so on, but everything relates to that because not only do we have about 5,000 customers at Maripost, you know, only about 2% of them are using more than one area of the product because we just haven't had the time to bring everybody on board uh, uh, across the other products. So only you said only two percent are using the oh, okay, so the entire product suite. Um, yeah. So, so we, then, if we well, just one point. Saying? If we get to say like fifty percent attainment, there we're talking about like two hundred fifty, three hundred million dollars of subscription revenue alone. Never mind payment revenue and partner revenue and all the other kind of secondary or tertiary uh, uh, revenue streams that we have. Oh yeah, and and so. Is that is that where your primary focus is now in terms of like converting that two percent into fifty? Correct. That's where my mo- like that's where my focus is personally. Okay, absolutely. Well, it sounds like you got a lot going on, right? You're acquiring yeah. companies, you're acquiring products, you're creating more value, and then you're yeah. like, how do we how do we change and transition that two percent to fifty yeah. percent, right? Which is yeah. life-changing in terms of the results for your clients and, and for the revenue. So mm. I guess then what's your, what's your number one? I mean, that's, that's the focus. That's the target. Is there anything actionable um, like actionable or tactical either for acquiring customers or getting to that 50% mark that, that you see working really well right now? Uh, for, for us, there's nothing specific, like as in, as in there's no one strategy that's outperforming the others. Like the, the best thing we can do, of course, right, is to drive people to our, our, in our case, our storefront, our homepage and, and have, you know, what I mean by that is I realize everybody's doing the same thing, but I think for us, we've really not optimized these areas. That's kind of the irony of Maripost. Like as, as we were talking before, I feel like we've done everything wrong and somehow are still, it's kind of what you said about the rainbows and unicorns because <laughs> we've fucked up in every possible way. Like a couple of weeks ago, I was, I was talking to our marketing team and the, the drop-off percentage like on our site is among the highest they'd ever seen. And, and, you know, and they're, they're just picking up some of this stuff from, from some of the, the, the past team as we've, you know, brought the company together and, and so on. But I'm looking at that and I'm, I'm just wondering how we've ended up where we have sometimes. There's obviously something going well, but it's, it's not for, for lack of trying to, to make mistakes. Well, so, so let's say like for a new customer, like if you add that and um, I think because you're obviously doing a lot right. If, you, if you're getting the results, there's, there's some things that you're doing amazing. Go ahead. That's the product. That's the product side. Like as soon as, some, as, soon as we get somebody on the phone or somebody gets into our product, the conversation goes from to to an eighty percent plus close rate, because so that's maybe a, a you know the, the strong P element there is that because of our focus around the product side of things and and the overall solution that we're looking to deliver, meaning that whatever version we're in today of that or whatever stage we're in today of that process, people really do understand like this is going to change the way I operate my business. That we're not going to change the world. We're not curing cancer here or anything, but it's really going to fix and and solve a lot of the core need that will directly impact their bottom line well and and we're getting close on time so i want to be real sensitive to that but i I guess long story short is like what's your mental framework for then if 
you know, product is your, your core growth strategy. And I guess flipping value on, on upside down on, on its head for someone who's spending 300K, if they cobble together what, you, what Maripost does for 70K, like mm-hmm. what's your mental framework for creating that, that value stack within in your product offering? So what do you mean when you say what's my my sort of mental framework? Like, well, what, what am I, your, your vision for it, right? Like, so it's like, yeah. How do you get to the point where you're like, all right, we're going to do this. We're going to create $70,000 worth of product that people with the market would spend 300K. And you, you mentioned moving to a platform. So it's like, if you're, let's say you have one product right now and you want to get to where you're at, you know, how mm-hmm. would you deconstruct that path and that vision to make yeah. that a reality? So for, I mean, for us, that, that was easy because everything we do is business critical, right? We're not building a content marketing solution or a social media management platform that all of these things are ultimately at the end of the day, truly optional, right? You cannot operate a retail store without, I mean, you can try, I've seen people do it <laughs> without a point of sale. You can't operate an e-commerce organization without a storefront. And you certainly can't operate either one of those without a help desk solution or a marketing automation platform because otherwise you're not going to get your customers coming back and not be able to service them as well. So for us, that, that, you know, kind of visualization is, is, is more simplistic than say others, but you, I am seeing a lot of others do the same thing in those kind of non-business critical areas. Would I do that? Probably not, but they've built that business in the first place. And so if you're going to continue, you're going to be far better off and far more protectionist of the asset that you've built by having that second product line or having that third product line, regardless of, you know, uh, of the customer need. So that there's, and I, I know you kind of downplayed it. Like you do a lot of, a lot of stuff that you do. That's amazing. But like, what I would say is um, it's like a, it's like a painkiller product model. You're only doing the mission critical stuff and there's yeah. beauty and simplicity, right? So you're just like, Hey, if it's, is that kind of like your filtering factor? Like, yeah. And you know what I use? I, that's a great way to position it as well as I'm also looking at it right from my own perspective when we're making those those decisions, meaning decisions around like what we're going to build when we're talking about like maybe a large pillar or, or a new product. Because I think of, you know, as, as a software buyer myself, if I go to a company and, and, and or if I go to 15 companies that I feel like I have to buy all these products, I'm immediately thinking like, how do I not make, how do I not do this? Or how do I avoid you know, making this decision or having to purchase these solutions. If I go to, you know, to, to, I'm going to use Salesforce as an example. I've been using them for 14 years. I'm really tired of it. I wish I could use something else, but I'm willing to sacrifice, you know, some, in some ways, the the cost, in some ways, functionality, in some ways, certain levels of efficiency, because I get a whole slew of, of value from one product. I can manage all of my customers in one area. I can manage all of their messaging in one area. I can consolidate content. I can consolidate my community, you know, and that's really what we're providing on the other side, you know, and looking at it from a flipped approach. And so if I can rationalize that, what do I think my customer is going through as well? Or how do I think they're rationalizing that purchase? And that's just what makes it easier for us to point to all of those pain points like you described, because they're not, they're not small ones that we're trying to pull on. They're real ones that exist in our front and center for them today. Awesome. I love that. That's what I was looking for, man. I was trying to get to it. And, and you got it because you have an algorithm. It's just in your head. So you didn't realize how, uh, how good it was, man. So, so we're, we're just about up on time. Um, so where can people find you? Where can they learn more about Maripost? Yeah, so certainly www.maripost.com for obvious reasons. And then all of our social channels are, are you know, at Maripost for the most part. 
Um, our community is galaxy at Maripost, or sorry, galaxy.maripost.com. It actually just, I mean, it launched some time ago, but it's getting a sort of second and third formal launch that are coming up as well. So that's a really great space. I mean, one thing that we're looking to do there that I can add is to, for obvious reasons, create a great community for people to be able to build their e-commerce, you know, or retail or, or retail or uh, and or e-commerce business and really scale with a community that exists. I don't think there's anybody doing anything like that today uh, within the BDC space. You've got all these, like we've said, fragmented. So I would certainly encourage people there if they're in the uh, the, the commerce space. Yeah, and if you want to, man, we could we could pop it in the show notes if you want to give me give us the um, link. We could put it in there so anybody who hears this can check it out. So, yeah. um, but Ross, it was awesome, man. It was great hearing your journey and the uniqueness of it all, and then just how you made things work um, with sheer grit and just I'm going to make this happen. <laughs> I love that, you know. Um, and it looks like real exciting things to come. So, thanks for being on the show, man. It was a pleasure. Yeah, same to you. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for checking out The Scale Up Show. My mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering in revenue growth so they can flip it and create a life of their own design. So if you enjoyed this show, please like, review, share it on social, and more importantly, just share it with a friend. Share it with someone that you think could learn and benefit from what you heard on today. But the more we get the message out, the more people we could help, the bigger the impact we make, and the bigger the community gets, which helps everybody. So once again, thank you for being a loyal listener. I appreciate you and look forward to seeing you on the next episode.